0: According to the Pew Forum on Public Research, 49 percent of the. US public claims to have had a religious or mystical experience, defined as a moment a sudden a moment of sudden religious insight or awakening. Well this, is, this statistic surprised me, even though in the quiet of my office I have often heard about such things. Still, half of those polled around our nation said they had experienced a sudden religious insight or awakening. That struck me as a lot of spiritual activity out and about in our land. Now I'm kind of tempted to test this out though, so I want to test it out with you. Take a moment to gather your wits and your courage, because in a minute I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever had a moment of sudden religious insight or awakening. I'm thinking this may take a bit of courage for some of you. After all, one of the advantages of a private poll is its privacy. (laughs) For some reason, many of us are embarrassed to reveal anything about our spiritual life. It feels, I don't know, tender, makes us feel vulnerable. But I won't be asking you about the details of your experience, whether it came in the form of a dream or a vision or a startling intuition or a profound and transforming sense of awe and wonder, perhaps a life-changing encounter through music or art or anything else, just whether or not you've ever had one of these experiences by your own definition. Now, to prime the pump, I'll tell you now that I'll be raising my hand. Now, you might think this doesn't count. But if the poll holds true and you reveal the truth about your experience, we probably could expect about half the congregation to lift a hand. So, are you ready? If you've ever had a moment of sudden religious insight or awakening, will you please raise your hand? If it helps, don't look around, you know. Well, there you have it. Yes, indeed, the Spirit of God has been loosed upon the world by your own admission. Now I'm certain if we unpacked everyone's experience, we'd have a very large and interesting array of stories. I know that's the case, at least anecdotally, given the sampling I've heard in my office and over lunch. Spiritual experience has made quite a comeback from out of the wreckage of modernism and militant secularism, Contrary to the patterns of the last half of the 20th century, we now seem to be moving into a more fluid time, a time of much greater acceptance of matters of transcendent spiritual concern, even if there's less certainty around traditional religious forms and hierarchies. Pole after poll are accumulating the evidence for this. And you know, I'm thinking that potentially this situates a place like Christchurch quite strategically in our cultural moment in such a fantastic, multicultural, world class city. And I think we have an opportunity to recover the dynamism of our ancient scriptures that had suffered some calcification through a deadly combination of two-dimensional, churchy, sentimentalized, and manipulative patterns of interpretation. We are in a process of releasing them to speak on their own terms rather than on our terms. For instance, in today's readings, we have three references to profound, life-changing spiritual events in the lives of three different people, spanning over perhaps seven or 800 years. Isaiah is thunderstruck by glory while worshiping in the temple. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, he hears. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Paul references how he encountered the living God, even he, The least of all of the apostles, as he puts it, unfit to be called an apostle because he persecuted the church, but his holy encounter turned him inside out. And Peter, the professional fisherman who in today's story had fruitlessly put out hard effort for many hours, as he said, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Peter wound up falling on his knees in stupefaction after his meeting Jesus on the shore, who had told him to cast his nets into the deep water. Each of these short vignettes tells of life-changing spiritual encounter. Though the language and cultural context span nearly a millennium, they each speak to authentic human experience of the mystery that lies behind our material senses. As those of you who raised your hands earlier know, these experiences are hard to capture in words. That's certainly true for me. It is very hard for me to find the right set of words that adequately describes what I have experienced. And yet they touch the most important matters, like how we ought to organize and understand our lives. For instance, it's in a place like this where we learn that no material accomplishment is a guarantee of a fulfilled life. But also, and importantly, that no material failure can prevent a fulfilled life. That's a wisdom that exists beyond our material conditions, isn't it? The spiritual giants have always taught that the emptiness we sense at our core can only be filled by launching out into the deep, letting down our nets, and casting our fate into the depths of God. This leap into faith is our deepest, most natural and passionate response to our being born and having to die. This is the primary religious movement in our lives, engaging the mystery of being born and having to die, and making sense of the time in between those posts. This lies at the heart of all authentic worship. And really this is our most fundamental task, launching out into the deep, taking the plunge, as it were, with God. And as I indicated, everyday language fails here. That's why, friends, we engage in ritual activity, why we use art and beauty to help make the translations between the heart and the mind and the soul, why our forebears invested so much into this space, and why we value excellent, inspiring music, and why we teach this language to our children. We need multiple languages to speak to this deep, deepest human need. Even if you didn't raise your hand earlier, I bet you have sensed the yawning maw of the great mystery. Maybe you didn't know quite what to call it, but here you are addressing yourselves to God, and I wonder if we actually expect holy encounter. This being Black History Month, I was reminded of a story Martin Luther King Jr. told about his own leap into the deep. You'll recall that he was thrust into civil rights leadership in Montgomery, Alabama after Rosa Parks had made her decision not to move to the back of the bus. The community formed a a new organization to lead a bus boycott and chose as a compromise candidate the new minister in town, King, who was then just 26 years old. All you millennials take note, not to mention all you Xers and boomers, too. Well, as soon as King's leadership was announced, the threat from the Ku Klux Klan and the harassment of the police began. He was arrested for going 30 miles per hour in a 25 mile per hour zone and thrown into jail. Afterwards, late at night, he wondered if he should resign his post. The phone rang at home. The voice, employing the notorious N-word, said, We're tired of you and your mess now, and if you aren't out of this town in three days, we're going to blow your brains out and blow up your house. That's what they said to him over the phone. And King then tells of sitting, staring at an untouched cup of coffee, trying to think of a way out. He needed a way out of what he was in. (coughs) In the next room lay his sleeping wife along with their newborn daughter. Here's how he remembers it in his words. And I sat at the table thinking about that little girl and thinking about the fact that she could be taken away from me at any minute. And I started thinking about the dedicated, devoted wife, who was over there asleep, and I got to the point that I could not take it anymore. I was weak. And I discovered then that religion had to become real to me. And I had to know God for myself. This is a preacher coming to terms with what he's been talking about. I know what that's about. And I bowed down over that cup of coffee. I never will forget it. I prayed out loud that night. I said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. But, Lord, I must confess that I am weak now, I am faltering, I'm losing courage. And it seemed at that moment that I could hear an inner voice saying to me, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth, and, lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. I heard that voice of Jesus saying, still to fight on, He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Here's the operative phrase, friends. This is the line you need to take out into the street when you leave. Religion had to become real to me. And I had to know God for myself. That was the moment Martin Luther King Jr. launched out into the deep. Perhaps in a manner like Peter at the lake shore, he had toiled all day and had caught nothing and he wanted to go home. He heard God's voice say, try it again. Only this time, go way out into the deep water. Let your nets down there. Friends, to know God for oneself is to launch out into the deep. You will not know God if you hang around the shallows, picking up shells and pebbles, and wondering what all the folks are doing on the shore. We're all invited to go out into the deep water, And there's no special time to receive the invitation, you'll notice. Peter and his friends heard this while engaged in their day-to-day work. They were fishermen. They were fishing. Martin King's story is dramatic in its context, but the fundamental issue is the same. Millennia before, Isaiah heard God's voice causing him to proclaim, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. God cleansed and held him still and sent him out as a powerful witness for righteousness and truth. We all have our own story to tell on this. Most of us in this room aren't going to be following in the steps of Martin King exactly, or Isaiah exactly. But we each have our own path to tread. We each have our own journey between the beginning and the end of the time we've been giving. And the beautiful thing is, the scary thing is, that we've been invited to go the distance as far and as deep as we can possibly go by trusting God most of all. Religion had to become real to me. I had to know God for myself. I have toiled the whole night and taken nothing. And Jesus says, put out into the deep water, let down your nets there. And the seraphs call to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of God's glory. Oh, my.